Every part of your vehicle serves a purpose, especially your tires. When they aren't right, it makes a big difference in safety. So, find great deals on trusted brands of automotive and specialty tires for farm machinery, utility vehicles, and more at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. The agricultural market is always changing, but there are ways for producers to stay ahead and seize some opportunities. Parts of South America will be harvesting 11 to 12 tons more soybeans than they ever have before, while others will be down 50%. I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. Economist Dan Bassi of Ag Resource Company shares some insight into how this affects prices here in the U.S. It's really a strange season for South America. Uh, Brazil is, a, is, a, is an area of abundance. In fact, to the degree that there was a while that the ports of Brazil stopped taking soybeans because there was so much supply, they didn't have storage for all that. So Brazil is going to be harvesting 150, 253 million ton soybean crop. That's 11 to 12 million tons more than they've ever cut before. Then I go across the border a little farther south to a place called Argentina, and it's a disaster. I mean, they are looking at crop yields that'll be down 40 to 50 percent. Now in my career, if you have a country that is blessed with soil conditions and soils like Argentina have, to have a loss of 50 percent is amazing. Uh, there's areas in Argentina that have seen less than half an inch of rain since January 1st, like Hunin, and they are looking at temperatures that have been so hot that we have nothing in recorded history. So like I said, it, South America is really split today between those that have and those that haven't. Ultimately, I'm kind of believing that U.S. soybean futures or U.S. soybeans will rise to new highs this summer because of what's happened in Argentina. It is their growing season and so with those yields how that crop is looking what does it mean for North America's prices now moving forward? So the old crop situation for the world of soybeans is something that I've not seen for a while which is if Argentina really has a 25 million ton bean crop which is down from 50 the early, uh, initial estimate it's almost an insolvable balance sheet by that I'm saying someone needs to go without or we need to push something in the new crop maybe China will do that but today China's imports of soybeans are up somewhere between six and eight million tons on a pace analysis. So China's taking more than they've ever taken before. I've got the shortage in South America. The market needs to do its job. So the market means that we need to have soybean prices probably at 16 to 16 and a half dollars at a minimum to ration the demand that's there. A year ago at the same time, soybeans made it up to 1750. So I'm not as high as that, but I do believe uh, we need to go higher than where we are. Now transitioning into another location of the world, what trade opportunities are there in Africa? What does this mean for the U.S.? What is out there? I end up going to Africa more times than not. I was just in Tanzania last November, December. And as I look at Africa, I go there with great expectations and hope that maybe Africa can feed itself, that Africa can someday be an exporter of ag goods because God has blessed them with good soils and, and, and enough rainfall. But then I look at the politics and I, I start to rear back and say, you know, Africa is just not ready yet. So although I think that Africa will be a solution to part of the uh, evolving shortages of foods going forward. I still think it may be 10 or 20 years away. So today I think of Africa continuing to be a net food importer, which is really such a shame, blessed with they are in terms of soil and, and rain. Where do you think we would be going now or where should we be going now if Africa's not, you know, for a few years down the road to help solve that? What should we be looking for now? 
So nearby, you've got two areas of the world which are going to be the next drivers of agriculture. One has a war, which is Ukraine and Russia and the Black Sea, and that it was an area where there's still 17 or 18 million acres left over from the old collective farm system that can be brought under plow. I'm worried that the war, if it continues on for a long period of time, some of that farmland and, and what we would call eastern Ukraine will be tainted to a degree. It will take a generation to get back into productive capacity. The other part of the world where I, I believe it would be a great opportunity to be Latin America. Brazil has still got 14 or 15 million acres in the Cerrados outside of the rainforest that can be brought under plow. So it is really going to have to be the next driver for agriculture. My problem is this, the world likely will add a billion people in the next eight or nine years. I need 23 to 25 million extra acres. I can't get them all from Brazil. So someone else needs to step up in the next five to six years, or we need to see a policy change in which we stop burning uh, green fuels uh, for uh, instead of food. I, that transition somewhere along the line needs to be debated by politicians. Speaking of the Russia-Ukraine war, how is that impact? Is it still being talked about or is it still as much of an issue? I feel like we're seeing it maybe a little less and less in the news fronts as obviously it was when it first started. So where is it now? And with that, why does that even matter to Wisconsin farmers? It always matters to Wisconsin farmers because I think as we look at our brethren in Ukraine as farmers, they are struggling mightily. The price of diesel in Ukraine today was $31 a gallon. Farmers are not going to be planting even a half a crop over there by our estimates. And so Ukraine is suffering mightily and it is an agricultural state. It's the breadbasket of Europe. On the other side of that is Russians who need hard currency to make more missiles to lob at Ukraine, they are selling their egg capacity at a record rate. So the Russians will export 45 to 47 million tons of wheat. Never seen that kind of wheat export. And, it, and, and you do not make a, uh, an offer to a Russian exporter or he will sell wheat to you. So with that in mind, um, we believe that the Russians will see a diminishment of their export capabilities in the year ahead because they're not going to be blessed with the supply of wheat. Last year was a record. And as we go forward then, if Ukraine stays out, then Wisconsin and U.S. farmers need to pick up some of that slack, probably in the middle of the year and beyond. By that I say, that's when the Ukrainians in Russia start harvesting their first wheat crop, June through the end of July. That would be key to the world in terms of getting that availability coming forward. Well, now transitioning into dairy markets, what is that looking like worldwide? Where are those global trends at currently? Well, we have production trends in Europe still going sideways to slightly lower for environmental reasons. No one's investing in new dairy in Europe. They're all concerned about farm-to-fork and nitrogen, and we've all seen what's happened to the Netherlands farms, and so everybody over there is concerned. That said, uh, New Zealand and Australia is still expanding, and we are seeing better production coming from both of those countries, and we are seeing India starting to step up here as a significant producer. So, you know, India very quickly has become the world's largest beef producer, so much for being a Hindu, and as we go forward, you know, these are things that I think we'll watch very carefully, but today it's not a question of supply as much as demand. As we've seen interest rates increase, as we've seen slowdowns of economies, we've seen powder demand, we've seen weight demand step back from places like China, Southeast Asia. That has had a negative impact in our milk market. So unfortunately, we're not looking for milk prices to reach last year's high. What is happening around the world when it comes to weather or heat inflation, things like that that are affecting markets? We are seeing where weather is showing much more incidence of extreme temperatures than we can find in our database 
case that goes back to 1880. Now, 1880 is not a long time in terms of Mother Nature or Mother Earth. They go back billions of years, but there's no doubt the world is getting warmer and it's having a negative impact on crop yields. Global crop yields are stagnating, which the world needs to be concerned about because if we don't get farmers doing an ever better job and yields increasing, we're going to need more acres. And somewhere around 2055 to 2065, we run out of world arable land that puts us all in a different box in terms of understanding yield and technology and what we all have to do to feed an ever rising and increasingly hungry world. Nearby, I think the biggest factor is going to be this thing called renewable diesel that's coming from the states of California, Oregon, and Washington, because as they swap uh, diesel for a lower, lower carbon renewable diesel, same chemical diesel, but it's made from vegetable oils, fats, or reclaimed grease, uh, that's going to have a significant impact. We're estimating already we need 9 or 10 million extra soybean acres by 2025, and if we take them from corn or sorghum, that leaves our feed markets short. So as we think about dairies, how hot can the ration go, and what is the impact going to be on cows, I think is a discussion we'll be having in the next two to three years. Beyond that, you know, I, I think this whole debate about uh, farm to fork and what's happening in Europe in terms of their cutting nitrogen and uh, fertilization rates by 30 to 40 percent, if the EU becomes the world's second largest food importer, not the world's second largest food exporter, the ramifications for humankind are broad. And Europe seems to be almost immovable in terms of getting them out of their uh, fertilization, nitrogen uh, abolishment, uh, if you will. And uh, it's something we disagree strongly with in America. We believe farmers should have a choice. In Europe, that's not going to be the case. That was Dan Bassey, economist at Ag Resource Company. To learn more, go to agresource.com. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker. Food, water, shelter, and nesting are all vital to attracting birds to your backyard. Multiple food sources are also helpful. Shop a wide variety of feeders, waterers, and bird food at Blaine's Farm and Fleet to keep your feathered friends happy and healthy all year long.